Welcome back in, 9 o'clock hour. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. DJ's off. Former BYU coach Dave Rose is sitting in. We were just reminiscing about some times in the Mountain West. And one of the things I would do, you know, I covered the league for so many years and back into the WAC that I got to know the opposing coaches and I got to know their spouses. I at least know them by sight. And I used to watch them. And your wife was in it, too. I mean, they would live and die. And, yeah. I, and, and they couldn't do anything about it. And if they're winning, they're beaming. And if they're losing, their face is so long. I mean, the pressure on the wives sometimes is greater than the guys who are in the middle of the action. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, I, mean we, I take a trip every year for the last 10 years, Cheryl and I, with uh, other coaches um, with, the, with Nike. And we've, we've gone all different places. And, and it's amazing to sit and get to know other coaches and their wives and to listen to their you know their lives and it's the one thing we're really pretty healthy we, we other people realize that there's other you know families that are going ex- through the same yeah, thing yeah, you know exactly. and it, it's happening the same way in their situation and you know all the different uh you know uh j- just you know traditions that they have and you know all, all, all the but the, the one thing that's pretty common is that uh it's uh, it's it's pretty tough on everybody when you get beat, and yeah. it doesn't go away until you win again. That's right, for sure. Exactly. You know? As far as this BYU basketball team, I, I want to ask you just straight up: Did you think Yoli was going to be this good? You know, I, I, I when, when Yoli decided to come back, um, you know, I, after he had made a a real commitment, you know, to 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 kind of, you know test the waters and with the NBA and one of those things one thing that's really difficult about that is once once you decide if, that you're going to leave I mean the, the NBA teams won't really mess they don't want to spend much time with you if you tell them oh I'm just testing the water if they're just testing the water most of them are going to tell you to go back just go back and mm-hmm. and play they want to know if you're all the way in then hey we'll you know do our due, due diligence yeah. and we'll bring you in and see what's going on but when 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 he found out, you know that it wasn't going to work the way he wanted it to work, and wanted it, you know, wanted to come back. I really felt like he could be the most dominant player in the league, uh, just because of the experience that he had and how he had progressed from his freshman year to his sophomore year, and his sophomore year to his junior year. And he's actually proven that. I mean, he I, I think he is um, the most versatile, most dominant, you know, low post scorer. Um, in the league, and uh, I think they'll probably come out with those awards today. You know, that, that, that that's another thing that is kind of interesting at this period of time when you're not playing games and you're waiting. Is you know the, these kids are all going to get either awarded or snubbed. You know, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. award. You know, and as a coach, you kind of you know have to play. Uh, you know, the you got to play to every individual situation and if a kid should have been an all-league player and he's not an all-league player then you got to make sure he knows what you think about him and vice versa but um i I think that uh the 38 point performance the other night at uh at pepperdine you know the the games that we won in pepperdine we were beat there a few times but the games we won we we always had a low post player i remember brandon davies had a huge game in there for us eric mika had a huge game uh, in there for us, we traditionally don't shoot the ball very well in there, and uh, and Yoli Bear, you know, they, he he did a 
tremendous job the other night to get a big win for him. And then Jake Toulson, I think, obviously has been a real difference maker. Uh, the thing that surprised me, you know, I saw him as a freshman, and then I'm not watching UVU that much. And I knew he was a shooter. You look at the stats, and he's you know, shooting 46%, whatever it was, from three. So he comes in to do that, and that's not a big surprise. But I've been impressed with his ability to go down low and get some buckets and use his body, use his size to his advantage. It just seems like where he was a few years back to where he is now, his mental toughness has just improved tremendously. It, 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 it really is. He wants the big shot. He wants the moment. And uh, and a lot of it, you know, is because he's been so successful in the moment uh, in the last, you know, two or three years. And with the the, the thing that I, I thought when they, they brought Jake in, I thought it would really, really help balance the team. Uh, but I just didn't know how it would fit, you know, because I know, you know Jake's personality, and he 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 really he wants the ball in his hands. He wants the ball in his hands a lot, and um, you know how would the other guys deal with that? But Mark's done a great job of managing that, and I think with a lot of the, uh, you know, the, as far as them being consistent in winning games, they haven't had consistent lineups. And uh, TJ and Jake, I think, have been the two that have really adjusted really well to when Yoli's in and Yoli's out. And uh, now that they're in and, and healthy and together, um, you know, the, the three of them, I think, really uh, have got this relationship where they're so happy the other two are on the floor. Yeah. And that's the magic of, of the deal. You get three guys, and the other two guys are really happy about that third guy. That's a that's a good way to play. You think they have to be seniors at that point because they got that maturity? I, I think that upperclassmen uh, feel that way. Um, when I was in junior college, uh, I used to love sophomores, and and everybody every junior college coach will tell you that you know the beauty of sophomores is that. You know, they just want to win. Freshmen want to be all league, and right, freshmen right. want to be, you know be the leading scorer. And sophomores, they just want to win, and because they understand how important that is to get what they want, which right. is the scholarship at yeah. the next level. And uh, I think that's the same thing with seniors at this level. That when you get to that point, all the other things that you came in there with that you wanted to be this, or you wanted this to happen to you, or this for this. You know, all your posse, your people still have all those thoughts, but you personally, you just want to win. Did you think that, or what did you think was in store for Jake Toulson when he left BYU? Well, when he went when he went to Utah Valley, I thought he he, he was thinking about going back to uh, to Phoenix and play at Grand Canyon too. And um, you know, I I, I I I thought that he would uh, you know end up being a good. Division one player. I didn't think he would be, you know, the whack player of the year, uh, and could easily be the WCC player of the year this year. The impact that he's had on that team. Um, but uh, you know, that's the beauty of this business is that this, it's an art. It's not a science, and we recruit guys all the time. When I recruited Jake to BYU, I really felt like he would be an all league first team guy. Uh, and then you know the the start to that to his career there just didn't go like he wanted it to and and you know between his patience level and and, and my ability to get the most out of him it just didn't really work and so he decided to leave and uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a kid in any other situation 
transfer from a school and then transfer back to the school. I mean, that'd be interesting to go and study that. But, you know, it, it might become way more of a, um, you know, of a common thing now that he's been so successful at it, that's for sure. Yeah. And you talk about these kids and how they want to be all league and this and that. And then when they get to be seniors, it's about winning. And you speak of that posse. At, at this level, how much does the parental or whatever the posse is in t- encompasses, whether it's parental or friends or combination thereof, does a coach have to deal with? Well, at, at BYU, the posse usually changes, you know, because you got the parents and grandparents, you know, family. But then sometime halfway through, they get married. And so then it's basically there's a new family and that's the wife. And, uh, you know, my wife was so good with uh, – you know, the players' wives over the years. She was a player's wife because we were married when I was at the University of Houston playing. And so I think that uh, she had a real insight on, um, you know, what you go through, the ups and downs of the year. And when your you know, husband's a starter and then, you know, he's not a starter anymore and the feelings that the wife has towards the coach. I mean, she, she'd she experienced that herself and so she knew all about it and uh, I think she related really well with them. And um, as far as the head coach is concerned, I don't think there's a, a whole lot that you go through, but uh, you do you do spend a lot a lot of time, uh, you know, with the players one on one, you know, trying to make sure that everything around them is working so that they can get on the court and make it work. Because that that's got to be somewhat of a, a difficult situation uh, as far as putting together a puzzle. Because I think one of the things that I don't think has gotten enough due this year is Hawes, I don't want to say acquiescing, but maybe sacrificing some offensive numbers for the sake of winning. And it seems like it's been seamless for him. And if he needs to shoot, he'll shoot. But if it's setting up Yoli or letting Jake get down low or Barcelo on the wing or the other two, whatever those other three guys and Harding and Celius and Nixon, it just seems like everybody is getting a part. Even go back to, you spoke about Jimmer, how it was unusual, the ball hog, but yet he was the most popular guy in the uh, gym. Uh, If you look at, there was 100% of publicity being given to your team. He got 98% of it. You know, locally and then nationally, he's all over the place. He's on PTI and all these things. But yet there didn't, as you're saying, there's no very little resentment and it seems like a delicate situation it seems like this team this year has handled that in terms of the way it needed to be handled for the sake of winning rather than individual acclaim and I think a lot of that has come obviously from their staff I think that uh, like I said Mark's done a tremendous job with uh, with Chris and and, uh, Nick and and Cody those guys the time that they've spent with those uh, players and getting them to buy into to you know uh, what's happening right now, but I, I do think that you're taking a group of guys that are in a perfect spot when you got Zach and Dalt and Yoli and uh, and TJ who have come to BYU with huge expectations and huge. Uh, plans of their own, and three years later, that none of them had been to the NCAA tournament. Right. I mean, Dal- Dalton is the only one I think that went before his mission, and so they got one thing in mind, and we're not going to leave here without getting that. And Mark's really played, you know, has, has used that um, 
to his advantage, and those guys have really bought into it. Because that's isn't that a hard thing to accomplish? Because you don't read that in a book. You don't read. You don't go to a coaching clinic and learn that. No, that's something that I think Mark really benefited from the fact that he knew all these guys because he had been at BYU. Yeah, okay. And so he he had a connection to uh, to all of them. He recruited Yoli really hard when he was at Utah Valley, and so he knew Yo and obviously knew Dalton. Uh, um, uh, and Zach and and so uh, you know th- those are that was an advantage that he had coming in that he could kind of get into their uh, you know their space and say hey listen th- th- this is what's happened and this is what needs to happen in order to make this work and uh, so far so good yeah no question about that and that's why I think he should be runaway coach of the year because we understand all the all the ins and outs of what's been going on when you look at the league overall i think damon stottlemyre is going to have a really good chance of becoming because they were picked to finish whatever and and now they finish this and byu was picked to finish second and they're going to finish second you know Uh and so uh when it comes down those votes are probably all well they are all in because they came in on sunday and they'll, they'll probably be announced today or tomorrow uh, yeah, I would not be surprised at all uh, if Mark Pope was was the coach of the year, or if Mark Few was the coach of the year because they won the league. And sometimes the coach will just whoever wins the league they'll put. And look what Few he did. Look what he replaced. You know, I mean Brandon Clark leaves, and you know Hachimura leaves, and those guys both leave early. And uh, you know he punches in a couple other guys and he's number you know the number one team in the country for six weeks or whatever it was i mean and we just get used to that like oh well, that's what he does all the time you know but when you when you actually think about the the the, the job and who you're going to cast your vote for there might be co-coach of the year uh maybe the thing got split in half we'll see yeah, Gonzaga, the consistency of the program. What has he been there, 22 years? It's unbelievable. And every year he's, he's been there. Too, yeah, as the head coach, but he's been there like 29 years. I'll yeah. tell you a funny son. I think I might have said this before, but like when we uh, – when when we recruited Jesse Wade, uh, and you know he left Gonzaga and, and was back out on the market, and was going to go somewhere, and we brought him in. And so I sat down with him and I just asked him about his Gonzaga experience and you know what had happened and what are some of the reasons he's interested in being here at BYU. And he says, well, you know, Coach, I was the only married player at Gonzaga, and I think it'd be nice for my wife to, you know, be on a team where these there's a couple married players and. I, I said, well, wasn't there anybody else that was married up at Gonzaga? <laughs> he says, well, no. The, the, like the second week I was there, I, I, I was supposed to be at a team deal, and it was a Sunday, and I was with my wife. We were, went somewhere, and and so he call, called me in his office, and he, he said, all right, Jesse, you need to understand. I mean, And Jesse goes, what are you talking about? Well, we have to decide how this is going to work right now. What team are you on? Are you on your wife's team or are you on Gonzaga's team? And he goes, well, I, I just thought that, that it was, you know, a Sunday and, and we could, you know, and, and, and Jesse goes, well, what do you do with your other players that are married in the past? Um, I've never had a player that's been married. <laughs> in 29 years against Gonzaga, he never had a one Not player one, that's married. Huh? One year we had seven. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a little different. (laughs) The BYU way. (laughs) Get married. 
Opens up a lot of opportunities and prevents a few problems, if you get my drift. All right, speaking of problems, I want to get your thought on Utah, what needs to happen up there and what has happened, because I don't think it's unique to Utah, but nevertheless, it is something that has been an issue. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Utah Jazz opened a four-game road trip with a 126-113 victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. Boyan Bogdanovich paced the Jazz in that win with 28 points. The Jazz are back in action tomorrow night in the Big Apple against the New York Knicks. Tip-off set for 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Salt Lake City Stars at 28-12 are the top team in the Western Conference in the G League. They beat the South Bay Lakers 134-128 at Vivint Smart Home Arena last night in front of a franchise record 9,413 fans. Elsewhere in the NBA yesterday, the New York Knicks held on to beat the Houston Rockets 125-123. The Bulls beat the Mavericks 109-107. The Grizzlies crushed the Hawks 127-88. And the Heat upset the Bucks 105-89. In college football news, BYU junior linebacker Chaz Ayu will not participate in spring ball with the Cougars, according to head coach Kalani Satake. Up on the hill at Utah, Kyle Whittingham said that Sione Lund and Dante Barton have been suspended indefinitely for violations of team rules, while Max's Tupai will not participate in spring, spring football as he deals with some private matters of his own. This Top of the Wire update brought to you by Ken Garf Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Buy your next car at Ken Garf West Valley Used Cars. Now with more than 600 used vehicles in stock, we have Utah's largest pre-owned inventory in one location. Stop by and see us today. Big Show show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Ryan Russell with his playing with Carl Malone. What was that like? Well, I know I felt like a player on the other team sometimes when I caught one of those elbows. <laughs> <laughs> but I would go through a forest fire with Carl Malone because I knew he would get the job done. When you got someone as, as good as Carl Malone, he made me a better player. He made me run harder. He stayed on it just as much as Jerry Sloan did. And John Stock and Carl Malone and Jerry Sloan, that's the people I would want to go to war with. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Okay, thanks for listening to us today. Finishing up the last half hour of the show, former BYU coach Dave Rose joining me. DJ's off. He'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Tim Lacombe, who does our jazz pre-half and post, uh, and does a nasty Rick Majerus impression, among others. He'll be sitting in tomorrow. Your former assistant, you two are... You two are joined at the hip, man. Yeah, Tim's a, a great Gary guy, but even better friend. Yeah, and he, he thinks the same of you. He's spoken highly of you. Uh, Utah situation. We know what they did, and it's somewhat of a curse because you, you see that in places. You know, UNLV's had to deal with it for years. UCLA's had to deal with it when they had such enormous success. And you don't match that success. The people who were there then and who are there now, like, okay, what, you know, what's going on here? And we know that Larry, Larry faced the same situation you guys faced. What were you in 97 when he took over this job? Uh, it was at the bottom. And both programs, Larry and his staff and Steve Cleveland and you, did phenomenal jobs building that thing in a relatively short amount of time and getting them in the NCAAs pretty quick from where you were because you guys were awful. And now he's slumping again, and you know he doesn't have any veterans whatsoever, and it is a product 
to some degree of players leaving and what you call them the program players that and I thought you did an excellent job and we're seeing it this year these are your program players Celius and Nixon these guys are seniors and making massive contributions off the bench and I talked to Celius uh, a week before last and I said hey your role that you got now when you're coming out of high school did you foresee yourself doing this? And he was honest. He said, no, you yeah. know, because you think you're all that. Right. And then you get in there and you see, well, wait a second. This guy's good. This guy's good. I mean, where do I fit in? All of a sudden here, I'm not going to be this first round draft choice and I'm not all that, but I can make a valuable contribution. And Larry doesn't have that. Um, what do you think needs to happen? Because Utah at its core, football is huge now, but I still think Utah at its core is a basketball school and they've been so good for so many years going back 50 60 70 years they've been really good and now you know they're gonna they're six and eleven in the conference obviously it's just not good well i'll tell you the first thing is that uh and you'll hear this all the time and and you know fans will say that coaches use it as an excuse or whatever but it's just the truth you need to get old and you need to stay old and that's the difficult thing in college basketball now um, to stay old. I, I, will, I will tell you this, that in my experience, 36 years uh, of coaching high school, junior college, and Division One basketball, the challenge of taking a, uh, a program that's in a tough spot and moving it forward is a lot easier than the challenge of once you've moved it to a level to uh-huh. keep it there. Yeah, okay. It's much more difficult because there's so many – there's just so many personalities and so many moving parts that you have to control. And most of it now is your players and trying to keep your players there. I mean, it used to be that that it was kind of a scarlet letter for a player to transfer. If you had a transfer next to the, this guy's got an issue or a problem, we got 900 of these kids transferring now every year. And so it's it's like, okay – if things aren't going right, then the options are let's go somewhere else. And they're going to make it even easier. It's going to pass eventually that yeah. kids are going to get one free pass. You right, know? right, right. Got you. Yeah, you get to, uh, if you're eligible, academically eligible, and you're in good standing with the school, that you can transfer one time and not have to sit out. And more kids are going to you're going to try it. And, and um, you know, if, if, if you look at, a lot of the real high-end players, they've gone to two or three high schools, you know, and played on two or three different AAU teams. And so it's part of the game. And so if you're going to lose your players um, after a year or two or three, then you have to find a way to replace them with experienced players. And I think that's that's probably, uh, you know, where – where Larry and, and his staff, they've they've got a lot of freshmen, a lot of young guys, uh, and they need to, to supplement that that roster with some uh, experienced transfer guys. You look at Coach Pope and just the one, you know, the the, the, the the one player in Alex Barcelo, the transfer from Arizona, who had played two years and hadn't played a lot at Arizona, but had been through a Division One program and a really successful Division One program, and he stepped right in when it was ready to contribute and play starters minutes, and then obviously you get the WAC Player of the Year and Jake uh, Toulson, and look what that addition has done to that group of guys. I think the same thing can happen at Utah. It's probably 
um, you need to recruit those high school kids and, and, and have them coming in. But uh, And they, they have a really good class coming in. But maybe that needs to be supplemented. And I don't know the whole program. I mean, I haven't been through it. And, but uh, from the outside, it would look like, you know, uh, maybe the, the – um, you know the, the the player of the year from the Big West and the player of the year from the <laughs> Big Sky for transferring in there might really help that team. <laughs> yeah, because you know they're talking about being young, but then they're talking about this great recruiting class. And okay, so these young guys couldn't get you over the top, but you got this great recruiting class. But now those guys, they're going to be just as young as these guys. So it becomes a perpetual cycle. Yeah, and how hard. do you get out of it? it it's hard. You got you got to. You got to get a couple older guys to come, and maybe it's grad, you know, senior transfers. And uh, you, you remember they had a, a little point guard up there, I think, from Long Beach State they a couple did. years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, he came in and yeah. really stepped up and right. and took them to uh, you know good places. And so I, I think that uh, uh, they're just a player or two, uh, an experienced player or two, and 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 you know, fans want to know well, what what does what does an experienced guy, you know, do that that maybe a talented guy can't do. Well, just look around the NCAA right now and and where they are, all the teams and the upsets, the top 10 teams that are being beat by unranked teams, they're all teams that are playing with underclassmen, young, yeah. young players. And I heard that there was 29, I think, uh, upsets this year of unranked teams beating ranked teams. So, somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, if DJ was here, he could find it in like a second. <laughs> but uh, something like 60-some-odd players, over 60 players, put their names in the draft this year and didn't get drafted and didn't go back to college. And Seems you like just, a waste. You, you just take that many kids out of programs across the country, and then you look to see – you got so you fill them with younger guys, and that's what's happening is that uh, – you know, teams are getting beat at places where they usually don't get yeah, beat. Yeah, and I think that is uh, Arizona's situation. I, I I think they've – I can't say they made a mistake because these kids are four and five stars, so you recruit them, but they come in as freshmen and then they leave – and they're not good. There may be great pros down the line, and they would certainly be great juniors and seniors, but they'll never get there. So, Sean Miller's bringing in these guys. Pace Mannion's kid is one of them, yep. and he's all that, but he's still a freshman, and, and he's playing along other freshmen, which compounds the issue because now you got all these freshmen here, and they're supposed to have these outrageous expectations and they're having a decent season but they're not having oh man they're not having let's be knocking down the door of the final four and it just kind of festers and grows and it, and it mushrooms and it becomes they get swallowed up by this stuff and then they'll leave and then he'll do it again and it just seems like that's not the cycle you want to be in yep and 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 in 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 some at some places, it's a cycle you have to be in because to keep your job, you have to sign those kind of players. Right. If you just sign three star players at Arizona, you're not going to be there very long, you know. And so you have to sign the five star, the four star guys. I think you know the key to that whole situation is those three and a half, four star guys to keep them there, you know. Uh, you know, for the the full four yeah, but then years. they lose Barcelo, and and that, but that's what happens. You bring yeah. a five star guy in, right? And this kid hasn't played a lot the first two years, right. and he thinks this kid's coming over the top, and so 
it's going to make it more and more difficult. And it just seems to me like, well, I know it's just a fact that that you you have to have three different kind of pipelines of uh, your recruiting, you know, philosophy. And one is in, uh, you know, the freshman traditional how you recruiting guys, and then you got to you know get these grad transfers and now there's going to be a third one because all transfers are going to get a year uh, or get one transfer for free and so you just need to know who you know what's available i think right now you you can go through and find all of the fifth year kids or kids that are going to be fifth year uh, seniors that will have graduated because you can go through and find the red shirts. You can find the kids that have transferred and sat out a year, and you know that whole list of players. And then they'll start to say declare if they're going to leave or not. The part of it that gets a little you know uh, dicey is that do do programs start recruiting those kids before they declare? Yeah, that's that they what I was going to ask you. How's that work? Because that's illegal. I know, but are you then too late if you're not having some type of informal contact or some form of I don't know how it works. That's that's where the you know the AAU coaches and all those people who are associated with the kid you know come in contact because you know you're you're not supposed to you know have any contact with the player or any of the player's representatives or the, the people, but. Uh, there's there's a lot of conversation that goes on throughout a season. Right. Okay. So uh, then that that has become a necessary evil. You got no choice. I don't. Th- I don't think you can fight it. You know anymore. I, I think it's something that uh, is. You know, it's really been popular in football and especially with quarterbacks in the NCAA. Bouncing around. You know, yeah. when Russell Wilson left. You know. Um, Wherever he left and went to Wisconsin, NC first, State, and yeah, NC State, and went yeah. to, uh, and uh, you know he has an All American year there, and uh, it, 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 and and there's so many of these guys that have so much success in maybe a bigger school or a more prestigious school, um, but there's also a lot of kids that you know that that don't have the senior year that they would have had if they stayed, so. It is a uh, it, it's a, a real issue in college basketball, and it's something that everybody's trying to adjust to. But I think in uh, in some cases it can really be a benefit if you get you know I I, I remember when Lon Kruger got his kid from Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, you know Kevin was playing at Arizona State, and I thought that okay now we're going to play UNLV the next year, and they're going to have a freshman point guard, and bam they signed Kevin and. You know, they, they end up having a senior point guard that's really experienced and and a freshman point guard that's really, really talented. And so uh, they kind of skipped that step of, of, a, of a year where I, right. I thought they might be down a little bit. Do you have a problem with the, the free transfer rule? Well, you know, I, 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 I do think that everybody has a point that coaches can, you know, take up and they, they can leave. And I, I think there's probably a in my opinion and and my belief that there's probably some uh, common ground there that uh, you could come to. I think it's probably way too um, radical to just let everyone transfer one time. And it's probably, you know, way too strict to not let a kid transfer when his coach leaves. You know, there's probably somewhere in that area there should be uh, an adjustment made. But but I think we're going to go straight to the fact that all these kids get a one-time transfer. All right, we'll close up the show. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. All right, closing up the show with former BYU coach Dave Rose. Still crazy to see it. I've accepted it, but it was hard, man. You were there for so long to uh, to think of you. I'm seeing mortality in my face <laughs> when I look at you. Like, Wait a second, you're not coaching anymore. I mean, uh, you know, it took a while for Jerry's the Jerry Sloan thing too. When somebody's been there that long, well, it was it was a fun it was fun it was a great run and. Um, you know, I, I have a, a, another cancer scan in April because I have them every six months. Right. And uh, I, I, I got a pretty good feeling that this April scan, my April scans were always when my numbers were really skewed. My April scans probably will be a lot better this year than they've been. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're 62 and we saw Beeline get in at 66. Uh, you think you're done? Well, I, I, I do. I, I think that... Uh, you know, as far as being a head coach is right. concerned, I've talked about, uh, you know, friends of mine maybe asking me to come help and be on their staff in a special assistance role or something. That, um, And, you know, I, I think that yeah, uh, that's probably far-fetched, but uh, I, I'd love to be in the gym. I'd, I'd love to, you know, maybe get uh, some type of – you know, radio or TV gig and, and be able to stay with college basketball because I love it and it's been fun and I really I, I miss it I miss a, I miss the game day and uh, and hopefully I can find a way to recreate that a little bit yeah that's what I find you know I was the beat guy for so many years and I I just got so sick of the travel after one the dead time and the downtime and whatnot but I always enjoyed walking into the gym on game night getting there about 90 minutes before and the excitement of the games and the competition of the games and sitting there on press row and being so involved in it and it was just a lot of fun I still miss that I mean I go to a lot of games but I'm not the day-to-day guy like I was and I miss I'm grateful for this job. It's a much better job. I mean, that's, I'm not kidding myself. But when the adrenaline, I even got it a little bit, especially if it's a huge game. Well, absolutely. I mean, and you, that's why it's so popular. And that's yeah. that's why people will come here and sit, you know, on the, the very top row. Because what you feel in the arena in a game, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I was a kid growing up in Houston, and the Astros were in the World Series and playing in the Astrodome. And I got a ticket, and it was the worst seat in the place. <laughs> but if we were playing the Philadelphia, uh, who are those guys? Phillies. Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. Yeah, I remember that series. And It was uh, epic. We had like 16-inning uh, games un- or something. Un- unbelievable. Yeah. And the worst seat in the house. And the way I felt coming out of there, it says I- I'm going to – uh, you know, I'm going to go to the arena whenever I can to watch a game because there's nothing like it. There's nothing, and at least, and it doesn't affect everybody that way. It's kind of like going to Broadway plays with some people. You go to the Broadway play, and they come out of there and they want to go to every play the rest of the yeah. trip that you're there because they just had some experience while they were there. That's what happened to me when I come into the arena. I just love it. Yeah, I agree with that. And then particularly this month for me, I always enjoyed my most favorite of all the things. My most favorite was going to Vegas and being there for the Mountain West slash WAC tournament. Even the women I enjoyed. I know you you had to watch your daughter played, but I enjoyed the women playing because everybody was diving. There was nothing left in the tank. Once you got in that one and done situation, and I can remember 
walking up the tunnel in Thomas and Mac, and there you were because you were there as a coach and you were there as a dad. Yeah. And so you had to do both roles. And I can remember walking up because we would cover the women's games, and I was I came out of the tunnel, and there you are. Your daughter was in your arms. Yeah. And they must have lost. And yeah, they they won one, but they did lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you had to, be, and you were always sitting in front yeah. row. You see over there. Yeah. So you you were when you were in Vegas. I mean, you were you had no time to sleep because you were coaching and dadding, so to speak. <laughs> and I always enjoyed. it. I always thought it was so much fun. And now we're going to be down there. I'm leaving uh, this weekend. You're going ahead of time. Tell the people what you were doing. You mentioned it earlier, but you're going to be involved in some broadcasting. Yeah, I'm going to do color for the radio, Mountain West Conference Radio, tomorrow uh, for the three men's games. Um, and then on Thursday, uh, I've got the late game, Portland and Santa Clara uh, on uh, uh, the television game with Roxy Bernstein. Uh, and then I got the winner of that game the next night against Pepperdine. So um, I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of get into that and see how it feels and, uh, you know, hopefully make uh, some inroads and maybe get, you know, a few games next year. And then the year after that, pretty much uh, scoot over Jay Billis. <laughs> <laughs> I think those guys are safe. Yeah, I think they're safe. I think what I really like to do is call uh, Major League Baseball. I'd like to be the color guy for Major League Baseball. <laughs> okay, well, you can uh, tell some stories there. I might there. be a little bit optimistic. I played junior college baseball. I, know you did. I played at Dixie, so, yeah. you know, maybe. Didn't you have, you had an opportunity, was it the story you, you were considering maybe professional baseball? Yeah, yeah, I I actually had some scouts call me um, after my freshman year at Dixie, and I'd put my pa- my mission papers in, and they asked me if if I was drafted in that June draft, if I would go play single A or whatever. And uh, I was scheduled to leave in July, and so I, I told them it'd be a little bit tough. Um, and I had a, quite a few coaches tell me that I probably ought to defer my mission and see how the single a thing works <laughs> but uh well i ended up going to manchester england for a couple of years got to be a, a manchester united fan and that's kind of carried me through for a while and and then you came back came did back. you did you play ball when you came yeah, back came back played at dixie and i was actually going to play at houston after the ncaa tournament but we played villanova in charlotte and in that game i hurt really hurt my knee and ended up having knee surgery and missed the whole next year but that was the end of my baseball career oh okay and, and then i came back and played the following year my senior year and when we played for the national championship yeah there you go well you're off to vegas now and uh we'll check you out i'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, see your uh, radio work and uh, maybe i'll see you down in vegas and thanks for coming in all right well thanks for having me all fun. right that's former byu coach dave rose if you join us late all that stuff will be online he spent the last two plus hours talking about all things basketball we appreciate him and wish him well we'll hook up to him we'll hook up with him again in the future stay with us tony and austin coming up next on 97.5 1280 the zone